Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today Members Only Podcast. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Friday the 24th of March. And of course, as usual, with all the information contained in this podcast, it is general advice only. So please do your own research. Contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights, if any, of course, in this podcast. All right, well, it's 11 o'clock as always, and we have a soggy old market once again. Uh, Just to give you an idea, we're down 36 points or half a percent, 69.32. This comes on the back of quite a volatile session in the U.S. Uh, The U.S. markets ended up up, and the Nasdaq is actually on the cusp of being officially in a bull market, having risen close to 20% since those December lows. We did have the Dow up 75 points uh, after being down 160 at one stage and up 480. So once again, quite a volatile session in the S&P 500, closing up only 12 points or 0.3 of a percent. The SPY futures were weaker. We did see the oil price weaker overnight and uh, commodity stocks are struggling a little bit in places, but gold was the big story, I guess. Uh, $25.70 higher in US dollar terms, uh, 1993 up 1.3%, so knocking on the door of that 2,000 US dollars an ounce, uh, which is interesting, but not a massive amount of uh, impulsion going on today in the gold sector. Just looking at some of the headlines in our market today, uh, one or two things out and about. Uh, We do have Block SQ2, the stock code here is one of the big losers today. Now, Hindenburg, which you will remember were the short-selling research house that attacked Adani, have also now attacked Block. Jack Dorsey has hit back and said that the allegations are rubbish. However, uh, as they say, mud sticks, and the stock is down, well, it was down 15% in the US. We're down 15.5% here for SQ2, which is the stock code for Block here. Uh, Of course, Hindenburg has been quite successful recently with that Adani attack, and short sellers generally, of course, they could be a force for good, they could be a force for evil, but certainly uh, some of them have pointed out some high-profile and fraudulent activities from some stocks. Uh, The allegations around Block do centre, or they do seem to centre on the cash app uh, that Block has uh, that they suggest is being used by nefarious or nefarious uses to transfer money between uh, criminals. Um, So that's certainly something that Block is refuting. Uh, They're talking about the anti-money laundering, etc., in terms of that cash app that we have. So that's one of the big stories around this morning. The other big story, I guess, is uh, Webit Nano, which had an almighty fall, 20% fall, then announced a capital raise. I'm sure the ASX would be, uh, should be, or at least should be, in there having a little look at the leaky ship that would appear to be Jeffries or Canaccord or even Webit Nano. Uh, but that uh, placement, they've raised 45 million bucks at five bucks. They're currently trading around $4.99. They did get down to 4.86 briefly. So uh, that is an interesting situation given the meteoric rise that we saw in Webit Nano as well. On the positive side of stories out this morning, a bit of a th- with Estia Health being bid for by private equity. Uh, They're up 15.8%. 
they've received a non-binding proposal from Bain & Co., whereby shareholders would receive $3 cash per share, of course, adjusted for any dividends paid or payable after the date of the indicative proposal. Um, And, of course, the board has says uh, that it's considering the indicative proposal to assess whether it's the best interest of shareholders, etc., etc., blah, blah, blah. Do not need to take any action in relation to the indicative proposal. But Estia Health up to $2.71, so a little bit uh, around 10% below uh, that bid price uh, today. But uh, clearly there is a bit of a theme emerging here. Private equity quite um, active at the moment. I guess they're all non-binding indicative offers, but we have seen uh, one in Invocare, of course. That's at the final destination, whereas Estia Health may be a little earlier uh, before the final destination, but uh, certainly a little bit of a theme emerging and private equity very much in focus. As part from that, not much else to report in our market today. We are seeing the banks ease. We have seen the US banks under pressure last night, but NASDAQ stocks, Apple and Microsoft especially, are helping. And Netflix was up 9% last night in the US. Uh, they are changing or they are clamping down on password sharing. Uh, just uh, warn your kids. I know certainly my kids tend to use my own Netflix password, even though they don't live at home. Uh, but they are clamping down on this. Canada is the first cab off the rank where they are clamping down. Uh, Canada is the second biggest market for Netflix, and the stock was up 9% overnight. Apart from that, we have seen some gains in the gold prices uh, today, but nothing spectacular. Newcrest up 1.3%. You wouldn't believe that there is actually a gold boom going on at the moment, but there is. A little bit of recovery in some of the lithium stocks that got smashed around yesterday. Pilbara up 2.6%, and we have got Core Lithium up one3 but it really is kind of a short covering rally ahead of the weekend. Our tech sector is obviously easier, zero down 2%, and oil and gas slightly easier as we did see the oil price slip down today. In the strategy today, haven't changed anything in our strategy. We still have 41% in cash, and we are benefiting, I have to say, from the uh, the NASDAQ rally at 20% near bull market conditions off the December lows. We are up 8.2% since we purchased uh, the HNDQ, that beta share NASDAQ ETF 100. Uh, we're also doing relatively well in the ASX 200 beta shares up uh, 6.4% in that one. So not doing too badly in our portfolio at the moment. Some of the NASDAQ stocks, some of the technology stocks, and also some of the REIT stocks have been benefiting, of course, from lower interest rates. And we did see, uh, once again, US 10-year yields under pressure down another eight basis points last night. In the strategy today, I did try and condense and simplify the message that we did get from Federal Reserve Chief Jerome Powell. We do spend a lot of time trying to analyse the inner monologue, the motivations, why his character is doing what he's doing, or the subplot, and all the little bits and gaps in between what he's saying. But at the end of the day, I had a go at simplifying what he is saying, and I guess it comes down to this. So it is in the newsletter this morning in the strategy section, but I'll just run through it for your benefit if you are listening on a podcast. So he had this to say, I, th- I think. This is my take anyway. Inflation is still too high, but it's coming down. We are pretty close to the top of this tightening cycle. 25 basis points more should be enough. The banking business in the US is strong. 
regulations need looking at, though. Interestingly, just on this point, Janet Yellen, who was in front of a Senate committee the day before last, uh, was talking about uh, deposit guarantees and how she wasn't looking at a blanket deposit guarantee. She did walk that back a little bit last night when she was talking in her comments to another forum. So she did walk that back a little bit. There is some talk uh, that the $250,000 deposit guarantee that the FDIC does could actually be raised because I guess 250 grand is not the same as it was 20 years ago. So uh, there is some talk that maybe, although she won't put a blanket insurance coverage on all bank deposits, that uh, insurance cover may be raised from 250 to say 500 or even a million dollars. But uh, that is certainly something that helped uh, the US market last night uh, and rallying at, towards the end of the day. Other points from Jerome Powell. The job market is still good. Unemployment is low. He thinks it will be tricky to land the economy on the aircraft carrier, that soft landing. But he will give it a red hot go. He also said there will be no cuts in the near future to interest rates, but there will be a pause in interest rates as they assess what is happening in the economy. But let's face it, higher rates will be around for longer. And this is more normal. These are more normal conditions. Let's face it, it was only in the last 10 years or so since the GFC that we have seen zero rates. We have seen $16 trillion of negative yielding bonds. So we are returning to more normal market conditions as far as interest rates go. He also said we're aware of the issues in banking, but inflation is the real worry. Inflation is their focus, and they will continue to shrink the balance sheet, i.e. do QT, quantitative tightening. I guess the underlying there is when we can while at the same time supporting uh, the banking sector when we need to. So no change in the strategy portfolio today. We still have 41% in cash, as I say, on those four holdings that you can see there. Interestingly, I looked at the CNBC this morning, uh, as I always do watching that. They had a really interesting chart up of the fact that it is three years since we bottomed during COVID, uh, March 2020, and uh, the first year or so, the market went nuts as stimulus was whacked into the economy and whacked into people's pockets. But since then, it has pretty much drifted and gone down sideways. Uh, so that is interesting. In the last year or two, it really has struggled. And on CNBC this morning, the gentleman there was talking about the banking index in the U.S., which compared to the market, and they're going back to 1998. So we're looking at 25 years. This is before the dot-com boom, before the GFC, before the um, temper tantrums, and before COVID, it has gone absolutely nowhere. And the S&P 500 is up in that same period. Let's put it in perspective. The S&P 500 is up 260-odd percent, whereas the KBW... Bank index, that sounds like a radio station, is down 9.3%. I'll leave that thought with you for a little while. 
Also today, just in uh, the small cap stuff, just talking about stock of the day is actually a stock called Drone Shield. Now, before you all rush out and buy it, do your own research on this one. And I have done a little bit of a look at Drone Shield, a little bit of background there. It is up 4%. I don't hope that I'm not responsible for that. However, they have raised some money recently at uh, 30 cents. Uh, they're trading now at 32 and a quarter cents. I had a chat yesterday, I sat down with a gentleman by the name of Oleg Vornik, who is the CEO of Drone Shield. And I have to say, uh, from a purely intellectual uh, stance, it is a fascinating on the couch podcast because of what's going on with drones. And I guess a part of this is because of we've seen the Ukraine Russia situation and uh, the focus, I guess, on drones. The ability of a cheap drone, $2,000 drone, to be able to deliver a 15 kilogram payload with pinpoint accuracy and deadly effect in some places and cases. So uh, it's a really interesting chat. I've just finished editing it, and uh, I will release that over the weekend. So I would urge you, if you've got any interest in this space, Drone Shield does look quite interesting. Uh, from that perspective, they are getting some good orders coming out now from the US and the military side of things, and they've also done a good deal with a company called Epirus, which is uh, involved in a slightly different aspect of drones. Interestingly, one of the things we were talking about in our chat yesterday was the uh, use of drones by terrorists. Now, the drone shield technology does not shoot them down in the traditional sense. It's not like firing a missile or a shotgun at one of these small drones, apart from the fact they're very small, but it is more a question of jamming them so they are basically fall to earth and are inert. But the interesting thing is that when they then go to the drone and examine what the cameras have been taking pictures of or what is inside the drone, very frequently they find that the terrorists actually have had a little play with the drone before they've turned it to nefarious uses and have taken selfies or flown them over their own houses. So it becomes increasingly easy to identify where the threat is coming from and obviously... uh, Therefore, you can uh, counter that threat. So interesting, rather than just shooting them down with a shotgun or a rifle, uh, actually bringing them down to earth with a jamming is, uh, is lending itself to far greater intelligence gathering. So if you're vaguely interested in drones and you're interested in what's happening in Ukraine and Russia at the moment and will be happening globally, uh, I'd certainly urge you to have a listen to that. Apart from that, I do feel that uh, our market still remains... I don't know if it's cheap, but it's underperforming and it seems to be an easy target at the moment for the shorters, not in the Hindenburg kind of style, but certainly the shorters seem to be having easy targets in terms, especially the lithium space and other resources and, of course, our bank suffering as well. So that is making life a little bit tough for the market. The 30 points now, we're down. It's now 13 minutes past 11. 30 points down. I get the feeling that we could actually rally a little bit this afternoon as we head into the weekend. We do have uh, a little bit of more stability creeping into the US, certainly with Janet Yellen's comments pouring a little bit of oil on troubled waters in terms of those bank deposit guarantees. Uh, That is helping, but uh, you never can be sure with the US because it is quite volatile and jumping all over the place. Well, that's it from me. Hopefully you've enjoyed this members-only exclusive podcast. And of course, we'll be back again on Monday to do it all again.